0: Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is part one of our roundup for the year 2022. Since we're coming towards the end of what has turned out to be a pretty tumultuous 2022, in this Green Edge podcast, we're not so much talking about the week, but more about the year. Our post this week is called That Was the Year That Was. And it's our roundup of 2022. And Michael, with all the things that have gone on in this year in the world, do you think we can round this all up in 10 minutes?
1: We'll do our best.
0: Well, I suspect we may need a few minutes extra for this one. So perhaps our regular listeners will take a slightly longer Friday morning coffee break this week and maybe even sneak in a mince pie or two. But let's start, Michael, with the turmoil we've seen this year in the UK government. I have to say, I thought we might be losing net zero when Kwasai Kwarteng stood up in the House in September.
1: You're right. Um, But the turmoil went beyond that, of course, because we had so many changes of minister that the ownership of cross-departmental groups got lost in the process. And one of those groups that we focus on, the Green Jobs Delivery Group, that was picking up from the Green Task Force, had a meeting of sorts in May had a work programme agreed for the remainder of the year, and we've seen nothing. And even the great Climate Change Committee, its report on skills and jobs was pushed out to the following year, to 2023. I'd like to think we'll see some gusto put behind these things come 2023, and that the Skidmore Review picks up on that, but we might comment on that later.
0: Yeah, it certainly does seem that a lot of stuff has been pushed back. Well, let's move on to something that we've written about quite a bit this year and something that did happen this year, and that is the introduction of the Local Skills Improvement Plans, LSIPs. Now, granted, these awards made from the DFE Strategic Development Fund at the end of the summer only cover LSIPs in England, but there are 38 of them. And as we said at the time, we feel they suggest a better way of perhaps matching skills supply to local demands.
1: They are. And I think the trailblazers, um, we picked out one in particular, one in Sussex was quite an eye-opener in the terms of the way it used its data to try and drive a proper connection between supply and demand and really lock in their supply system at college level and some university activity and try to really look beneath the surface of just job titles and look at job content and skills and tasks and abilities. And I think that if it's adopted as a template... Should be great to see that rolled out to 38 now we'll see that emerge because the awards were made in september october we had negotiations going on for the next two months for the release and sign off of funds and we should see the outlines of these plans come may of 2023 and we'll be looking at that in great detail because virtually all of them touched on green in some shape or form or if they didn't in their initial bids, they will certainly do so in their plans because retrofit, for example, affects every part of our economy, all the building housing stock. And so we expect to see a lot of going on there. What we need to see, though, is coordination across the LCIPs as they emerge and create lots of fires going off. But we need to see connection across the top and some coordination across them as well. What we'll learn from all of this, because it's, a, again, a bit of a petri dish of where we can see lots of experimentation happening at local level, but we'll learn. And we need to learn very, very quickly and transfer that learning at speed across them.
0: Now, what we did for The Post this week was to build an infographic giving hours kind of positives and negatives of the year. And when we look at local authorities, we we do comment that we do see a high degree of recognition among them for the need and the potential for green skills and a lot of local commitments to net zero. But we also comment that there is an overall lack of capacity at local levels to build and deliver local green skills plans. And over the year, we've talked quite a bit to local authorities and resourcing all these initiatives does always seem to be a bit of a challenge.
1: It certainly is, and in number of local authorities you might find one, two, possibly three staff devoted to the green agenda, and by that they that covers the whole panoply of the climate emergency plan for the local area, through to net zero retrofitting for the housing stock, through to skills agenda, and in a few cases we do actually have skills specific staff being appointed, which is great. I think in our discussions with Ashton, they commented there were about 600 people in place whose sole responsibility was the green agenda in some shape or form, which is great. But we feel that there's a lack of flow of high quality information, particularly on skills flowing into these people to allow them to do their work. Now, where those 700 marry up with the LCIPs and the work that's being done there, largely led by Chambers of Commerce it'll be interesting to see how that is brought together to local level. The people who are generally best placed for a lot of this work are the city regions and purely by their scale, and the scale of some of their projects, they will have greater capacity to handle some of these issues and will drive things forward. Here, we're thinking of Manchester, London, Liverpool, Leeds, and the like, of where they've got major capital programmes running alongside skills programmes for people.
0: Now, one thing we should possibly comment on, uh, and we've heard this from a few quarters during the year, are the problems associated sometimes with Westminster's seeming fixation on doing everything in the form of competitions.
1: Yes, they like contested funding because it sort of drives up quality, they think, and standards and is a funny way of allocating funding. But I'll give you a reverse example. In education, they released £500 million for energy efficiency Scott schools. And my first question to the schools I'm involved with, is this contested funding? I was very pleased to hear, no, it isn't. There was an allocation based on need and scale, and you got to check in the post straight away. So we knew we could plan for investment around further solar and storage across the four schools we have, secondary schools we have. I'd like to see some of that going, that thinking going on with local authorities as well, particularly around housing stock because the numbers are so vast they don't want to get into contested funding and if you link that to leveling up and some of these green projects are leveling up projects it would be great to see some of the contested aspects of that taken away perhaps michael gove might listen to our podcast and nod and do that in the new year.
0: And our best wishes to Michael Gove for Christmas. Let's move on to education, Michael. You touched on it there. And as we've looked at it over the course of the year, I have to say I found it to be a bit of a mixed bag. We've certainly seen some good things in higher education, for example. And we posted this year on the raft of ES3 degree programmes now available. We've also posted, uh, noted in our post this week that IFATE is making big inroads into getting consistent green content into its apprenticeship standards, but schools education seems to be struggling a bit.
1: It does. If we dwell on IFATE for a second, IFATE now offers over 800 standards, of which about 160 to 180 are green related. So there's some real standards to build on and also data to be used there from them. In the schools world, where progress has been made has been around careers advice. And certainly with the growth of the National Careers Week, the dedicated days to the green economy, the Green Careers Week we had during COP, and that's going to be repeated November in 2023, are all positive. We've seen the growth of eco groups and eco schools networks, all good. Less progress has been made in integrating more of the sustainability agenda into and across the curriculum. And whilst the Department for Education was pushing the uptake of either new qualifications at GCSE and A-level, it'd be good to see just existing ones take on board more content. I think that will happen with time but it does take time and it'd be good to see if the oak academy in its push on curriculum could create material that could be used very widely at primary and secondary schools because there's certainly an interest in an event we took part in in west london there was great interest on having dedicated days on sustainability careers and there are certainly lots of companies wanting to share their story
0: Now, Michael, let's get geeky for a minute or two. We talk quite a bit in our posts about the need for a consistent set of titles and descriptions for green occupations and skills. And in our post this week, we talk about how a generally accepted green skills taxonomy is needed for education to know what it's aiming at. How close do you think we are to this?
1: We're on track, I think. ONS will start with them, did a consultation, 107 people submitted their views. They've been collated. There's a work programme in place with ONS. Further workshop taking place in January 2023 with a view to having a first output in March. So I think we'll get very close to an agreed definition of what is a green occupation and where do they slot into the green economy, which is great? And obviously, the work for the Unit for Future Skills at the Department for Education, the work Nestor is doing, the work that Data City is doing, that Lightcast is doing, can all be brought into this work. So during 2023, we should have a common definition, ideally a database where everyone can draw upon as the LCIPs are put together. So we all talk the same language and we can track. And as we have a government that was promoting under its 10-point plan for the green economy, and net zero, of depending which version you read, was it 400,000 jobs in the green economy by 2030, or even 2 million, depending which year point, it's important to know what we're counting if we're going to hold politicians to account. But we'll see. The other aspect I'd like to make about the data is it's of real importance in creating transition plans to allow those parts of the economy that are going to have to rapidly shift. And I'm talking here about energy-intensive industries and also the auto industry. And we've seen models of this in the North Sea, where the North Sea is transitioning from oil and gas to offshore wind, amongst other things. And it's important to be able to look inside the occupations of people currently in brown jobs and how they can transition to green jobs. And too little is being made of that. And I think the LCIPs need to pick up on that transition component because some parts of the economy, um, some parts of our society geographically, will be more impacted than others.
0: And a reminder that you can find part one of our roundup for 2022 on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, including Apple, Google, and Amazon. Now, part two of our roundup for the year will be posted next Thursday, the 22nd of December. And this is going to be your pick of the year's green reports.
1: It is. We've whittled it down to nine so far. And I think I've got a sneaking suspicion a 10th might be added to our list because the PwC Green Skills Barometer uh, came out a few days ago. And I think that might creep in because that's one of the few consistent documents that are put together to to look at where are the green jobs geographically by sector and the like. And I think that might creep into our 10th piece of work that needs to be added to that list. But all the items we listed, we think will stand the test of time in 2023 and beyond, and have really fundamentally helped us think about green jobs and skills.
0: And do you think we might even have something to read by then from Mr Skidmore?
1: Yes, if it's going to come out, it'll have to be out this Friday. And I think if it comes out a week on Friday, the government is almost trying to bury it. So I hope it is given proper place And we certainly hope skills and jobs and employment get properly recognised in the report and are highlighted by Chris. Um, Otherwise, it should be held back to early in the new year, but not to which it should be used to reboot and revitalise the work that was started prior to the political turmoil that started during the middle of this year.
0: Thank you, Michael. I'll let you get back to decorating your Christmas tree.
1: Many thanks. Those baubles do need hanging, don't they?
0: They do indeed. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.